Let's take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 12. We gave a subtle hint on what the message is about with a five-minute video of Mary. That was, wasn't subtle at all, that was a joke. Um, that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about believing is worshiping. This is the next in our, our series of the truth to believe, the gospel of John. We are now in the second half of John, the, the second quarter of our connect group literature, the, the second reading plan of John. Um, I was supposed to announce last week and forgot. That's common. Uh, that the reading plans are in the, the rack by the Connection Center. It is only a partial reading plan unless Etta filled it up with the full thing this past week, and I don't know it. So, it's the whole thing now? Okay. Uh, last Sunday, it was just the first couple of, couple of few weeks. Now it's the whole thing. So, you can get your reading plan back there. Of course, the, the bookmarks, uh, the... the uh, Memory verse bookmarks are in there, and that's uh, uh, what we're going to be looking at next. Uh, believing is worshiping is our title today, our memory verse. It's longer this time than it was last time, um, and we skip a couple of verses, but uh, that's okay, I think. We're going to memorize John 15, 5, and 8. Let's say it together. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit, because you can do nothing without me. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. John 15, 5, and 8. All right, it's going to be a little more difficult, but I think we can do it. Most of us, a lot of us are kind of familiar with John 15, 5. Verses 6 and 7 sort of bolster and explain John 15.5 a little bit, so that's why we skip to 8 uh, to make that a part of our memory verse. But this morning, we are looking at Mary's offering. Believing is worshiping, and we're going to talk about Mary here, talk about uh, basically everything we know of her life, uh, a few things that we can sort of speculate on, but they're not scripture, so it's purely speculation, just kind of understanding a little bit of the culture. And that video gives us a, a good idea of the emotions that she was going through, the, the, what was happening. Um, scripture seems to, to tell us that it was a spontaneous act, that it wasn't something that she had necessarily plan to do. Confronted with her Savior, who had just a few days before raised her brother from the dead, I love, I love the question that the video asks, how do you thank Jesus for, for bringing your brother back from the dead? You know, there doesn't seem to be enough that she could give. As I talked to Shelby this morning in our discovery class, Baptism is a picture of us coming back from the dead, buried with him in death, and raised with him to the newness of life. How do we thank Jesus for bringing us back to life? 
This is exactly what happens when we accept Christ, when we are saved. We are brought to life. Well, the way we do it is we give him everything. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Our big idea today is for a follower, is that what I have next, Pat? Yep. For a follower of and believer in Jesus, there is nothing, say that with me, nothing too costly to lay at his feet in worship. Nothing. It, Mary gets some pushback. You could have done something different. It didn't matter. There was nothing too great to lay at Jesus' feet in worship. Read John 12, verses 1 through 8 with me this morning. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave, him, so they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving them. And Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Then one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of what was put in it. Jesus answered, leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial, for you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. So they're back in Bethany. Back where just the chapter before, but it wasn't quite that quick. We read of this resurrection of Lazarus. You can imagine Jesus is quite the, the popular uh, uh, celebrity in, in Bethany. Uh, Bethany wasn't a huge place, so everybody probably knew each other and Here's the guy that raised our good friend Lazarus from the dead just however long ago. Uh, that you, you, th there's no, there's no uh, homecoming of, a, of a, a famous individual that could quite mi match that. Uh, we might have our, uh, we'll, we'll claim her even though she's from Lafayette, our Lauren Daigles, and we, we may have our actors from Louisiana and, and uh, folks from New Orleans, and, and we, we can claim all, but, but nothing like the guy who raised the guy we grew up with from the dead. They throw this party for him, this dinner in his honor. It would have been on a Saturday night, uh, based on what John's telling us here, it, the, Saturday was the Sabbath, but they counted their days from 6 p.m. the previous day to 6 p.m. the next day. So the Sabbath would have been 6 p.m. Friday night to 6 p.m. or sundown Saturday night. So this dinner probably would have been after dark on Saturday night. They're all gathered here, and, and Martha's doing what Martha does. Martha's serving, she's cooking, she's getting ready. Now there's no indication necessarily that this was at Lazarus' house. As a matter of fact, if we read the same uh, account in Mark and Matthew, 
Luke has a similar account, but it was different home, different situation, and a different woman. We read Mark and Matthew's account. We learn that it's the home of Simon the leper that they're having this, this party at. Not Lazarus' house, but Lazarus is there. He's reclining with him. I don't know if he's tired from being raised from the dead. I mean, in a dinner party, they reclined. That was just normally what they, it's how they ate. But uh, nonetheless, he's there. Martha's working, and we, we, we have set up this scene quickly in, in two verses. So we already, we have this picture in, in mind. We, we aren't told how many people are there, but again, small town, probably a bunch of folks. And in comes Mary. Now, we've already met Mary. We actually met her in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 7 talks about Mary Magdalene, who is the first to anoint Jesus. But this isn't that Mary. It's two different Marys. Mary of Magdala. Mary Magdalene is not Mary of Bethany. That's in Luke chapter 7. If you continue to read through Luke chapter 7 and and the beginning of Luke chapter 8, you read in in verse 3 that it says, Many women, many of whom had had uh, spirits cast out of them or had been healed in some way, but others also were following Jesus and were supporting him financially. Potentially, Potentially, Mary is one of these followers. One of these supporters. It, it's, it's, again, this is, this is some speculation here. It's, it's not absolute, but it's just a, a, a couple of chapters later, we meet Mary by name, Mary of Bethany by name, and we find in chapter 10 of Luke and in Mark 11, or in Mark and then in John 12, that she was a person of some means. Maybe the family was. We don't know anything about them. We don't know what they did for a living or anything. But we do know about this perfume that she uses. It was from uh, India. That's the only place to get pure nard, uh, or spike nard is is another word for it. It's from a plant there, and that was where they grew it. So it was imported and, you know, the, these, you couldn't, weren't trucks, there weren't highways. It took a while to get the stuff there. And we're told that it was, it was a pound. It would have been, I think uh, I read, a little less than a, a gallon of the stuff. And it was worth 300 denarii. At least, you could have sold it for that much, is what Judas says. 300 denarii was a year's wages. Okay, so think of what you make in a year. And she just poured that out on Jesus' feet. This is expensive stuff. This isn't any, any trifling little gift. It's possible this was her dowry for when she got married, the gift that she would give to her husband when she got married. Again, speculation. We don't know that, but it, it, it could have been that. So she could be making a major statement about how In truth, her future doesn't matter because she is a follower of Jesus. 
Given the, the expense of this perfume, this is where I at least speculate she could have been one of these financial supporters of Jesus that Luke chat talks about in chapter 8, even though we don't know. But what we do know is that she was a follower of his, because when we are introduced to her in John chapter 10, what we find is in verse 39 that she is sitting at his feet. I'm sorry, not in John chapter 9, in Luke chapter, uh, not in John chapter 10, in Luke chapter 10, rather. Apologies. Luke chapter 10, verse 39, we meet her, and she is sitting at Jesus' feet. This is the, the story we know probably, I'd say probably first best, um, which I guess would really just be best, right? Yeah, okay. So it's the, probably the story we know best where Martha's cooking and working and doing and and Mary is sitting and listening and Martha says Jesus could you please tell my sister to help me and Jesus says you know what Martha you're concerned about a lot of things he doesn't he doesn't condemn her gift of hospitality her gift of service he just says at this point in time right now she has chosen what's better the meal doesn't matter the the relationship the learning does Mary sat at his feet under his, his teaching. We know she was a follower of Jesus. Remember our main idea. For a follower of Jesus. But Mary didn't stop there. She didn't just stop at follower. She, she could have been uh, one of the women in Luke chapter 8 that followed him and supported him. But we know that given the opportunity, or at least it's how it's recorded in Luke 10, we know that she does end up learning at his feet and following him every chance she gets. But then we find out that she's more than just a follower. Jesus had a lot of followers. Over the course of his three-year ministry, he would have followers that would fall away. Followers that would get distracted. Followers that would then wonder, hmm, is this real, is this true? She was a follower that became a believer. John eleven thirty two. 32, back one chapter from where we are this morning... As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now at this point, we could argue, and I think make a good argument, that really all she believed is that he could have raised her from the dead. Or actually in this case, let me back up, he could have healed her. He wasn't dead yet. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Because I've followed you a long time. I've seen you heal people. Things that we didn't think could be healed, you did it. Like, you know, blindness. You could have healed my brother. As a follower, she had had seen his uh, miracles. She had heard his teachings. She had gotten to know him well. So on this day, when Lazarus has been dead for four days, and they sent word to Jesus some mm, eight days ago about his illness, 
She comes expressing her belief that everything I know about you, everything that I have been taught by you, everything that you have shown us, the the, the signs that you've shown us to tell you who you were, I believe those things. If you had been here, you could have healed my brother. But I think her belief was deeper. We, we know that she and Martha were close. We, we get the idea that the three of them still live together. Maybe that's because Martha and, married weren't, uh, Martha and Mary weren't married yet. Uh, maybe they didn't live together. Maybe they just had houses next to each other. But they were, they're always mentioned together. They were still very close. So you have to believe, especially after Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But even before that, I have to believe that they talked a lot about Jesus. They talked about the guy who told Martha, and Mary might have brought it up not in the best times. Well, you know, Jesus said what I was doing was right. Miss Martha. You get the impression that if there's a Uh, We're not told who's older or anything like that, but you kind of get the impression that regardless of where Lazarus falls in it, Martha seems to be the older sister. Do I have any older sisters in the room that agree with me that it kind of looks, yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh, I see those nods, I see those hands. And little sister never helping, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Works that way with brothers too, but we're not going to talk about them because we're talking about ladies. They're close. They're always mentioned together. Having dinners together. Having uh, uh, conversations. So, if we go back to verse 27 of John 11, we hear Martha's testimony that I talked about last week. Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe you are the Messiah the Son of God, who comes into the world. As I I talked about last week, this is much deeper than just, I believe you could have healed my brother. Or even if she's thinking, you could bring back my brother. Raising people from the dead was not outside of Jesus' resume. He had done it a few times. Jairus' daughter, the centurion's servant. Seems like there was another little girl he raised that they were mourning for, and he told them, be quiet. They knew he could do it, but in all those situations, the, the common denominator and the, the difference now between Lazarus and them was Martha's statement, He's been dead four days. He has begun to rot. The the others that he had raised had only been dead a few minutes. So if you were willing to write it off, forget the fact that for at least one, uh, maybe two, he wasn't even in the room when it happened. He wasn't even there. He just said, okay, they're, they're, they're back. But you could say, well, it was coincidence, well, he did something, well, it was tricks, well, whatever. But four days, 
that's going to be a tough one to pull off, Jesus. So there's more to Martha's statement here of, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world, than simply, I think you can do cool miracles. Mary's response, just a few verses later, Mary's response in verse 3 of chapter 12, I believe tells us that Mary believed just like Martha did in chapter 11, verse 27. Mary believed Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. And I think that's evidenced by her actions, if not her very words. For a follower of and believer in Jesus, our main idea, Mary was a follower and she was a believer. And that's where we find her now in John 12. This follower and believer, uh, follower of and believer in Jesus, Lazarus, having been a follower of and believer in Jesus, certainly a believer now. Y'all realize that he had been in paradise, heaven, for four days. What was that conversation like? Hey, Lazarus, I know you like it here. but we're sending you back. I, I just can't imagine. I mean, I, I, I just, maybe, maybe there was no conversation at all. I don't know, but I just got to think that there was some, I mean, there's no sin in heaven, so he wasn't going, um, no, uh, because perfect obedience, absolutely. But just, wow. So I think at this point, in John chapter 12, Lazarus is a believer, okay? Martha is a believer. We know that. And Mary is a believer. And I believe we, we worship with our service. But we already know Martha was a server, she, she had served way back in Luke chapter 10. That was her thing. We don't know much about Lazarus, except what I told you last week, that there are some scholars that think Lazarus was the actual author of the Gospel of John. It never mentions the author, so it is speculation one way or the other, speculation based on evidence. And some folks look at the evidence and say, mm, I really think Lazarus wrote this. But regardless of that, at this point in John chapter 12, he has not written it, very likely, but a believer. But Mary, the follower and the believer, becomes a very public worshiper. Back in Luke 10, Martha does. Mary contemplates. Martha's busy doing the work. Mary is sitting at his feet, drinking it in. In John chapter 11, 
Martha runs out to meet Jesus as he comes in. Martha acts. Mary has to be sent for by Jesus because she's in the house mourning. I think we can say with some confidence and some safety, Martha is a doer and Mary is a feeler. I imagine in a crowd this size, some of y'all, if you get agitated, uh, nervous, sad, uh, you respond to strong emotions by cleaning, straightening up, Fixing things, anybody, am I, am I off? Is there anybody like that that, that will, you know, uh, well, you know, something bad's happened, I don't know what to do, I'm, I'm going to clean the house. Why? I don't know, but that's what you do. And I think that was probably Martha. Not that Martha didn't feel it, but her feelings were expressed in a different way. Mary felt it. Mary felt the following. Mary, as she sat at Jesus' feet in Luke 10, Mary felt the believing as she ran out to him, having been called from the house where she was mourning, and says as she gets to him, if you had been here, you could have healed him. And then in chapter 12, Mary feels again. Martha is serving. It's a, it's a, it's a worshipful service. You know, we, we, we sing a, a song, What could I bring him? Poor as I am, if I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. What can I give him? I give him my heart. I'm uh, close. What can I? I, I, don't, I don't have anything. I think that video was a great way of saying Mary wasn't a server. Mary wasn't a doer. She, she couldn't, and, and even if she could, while, while Martha wanted the help in chapter 10, let me, let me ask you big sisters, did you prefer your little sister to help you or do it the way you told her to do it? It's a difference, right? My, my daddy would tell the story, and, and it wasn't just a story because we saw it every Christmas Eve. Because even in their 30s and 40s and 50s, they, it still worked this way. Christmas Eve after dinner at my mamaw's house, we always had to do the dishes before we opened the presents, much to the grandchildren's chagrin. And Daddy would happily go in. Daddy is the middle of three, my aunt being the oldest. He would happily go in and start helping in the kitchen, clean up. And it wouldn't be just but a few minutes that Aunt Melwin would say, get out of here. I'll do it. Now, I wouldn't accuse him. He's probably watching. I wouldn't accuse him of doing all that, all, all that on purpose, just to get kicked out. 
if he hadn't confessed many times to do it on purpose just to get kicked out. So does that resonate with the older sisters? Martha wanted the help, but she really didn't want the, don't, don't get in my way. You just stand here and do what I tell you. So, And I'm thinking probably Mary knew that. John 12, Martha's serving. Mary knows I could help, but I'll probably just get in the way, and Martha has to have it exactly right. I was, I'm going to tell you one more story. I was at a church one time where there were a handful of ladies that were in charge of the, the kitchen and the, the, the activities that revolved around the kitchen, and some younger folks tried to help. One particular, I don't even know what day or night it was, but they were helping, and they had put out napkins and stuff just on the, just you know just setting stuff up that's the simple things and one of the ladies that was more um did it more often came behind and rearranged everything because they didn't have the napkins in the right spot well enough times of that and the younger ones quit helping because they knew whatever we do is going to be redone anyway. I think that's where we find Mary. What can I do? And Mary shows them all how to worship. Not that service isn't worship. Let me say that again. But service was what Martha did. That, that was her worship. Breaking open a, I'll just pick a number, $50,000 jar of perfume to pour on somebody's feet. Normally anointing goes on the head. Mary apparently didn't think herself worthy enough to do that. That's how kings are anointed, but they're anointed that way by prophets, somebody of, of, of stature. She, she doesn't go for the head. She goes for the feet. $50,000. Maybe you make $100,000 a year. $100,000. Wasted. Mary showed them how to worship. The contemplating of Luke 10, the, the mourning of John 11, and, and the, the learning through all of that, having likely followed him for many, many months, maybe a couple of years, all welled up inside of her. This is what I've got. So this is what I'm going to do. For a follower of and believer in Jesus, there is nothing too costly to lay at his feet in worship. Even 
up to, including, and beyond a year's salary. Because the truth is, we like to say we give our hearts to Jesus. And that's not a bad phrase. The heart is the center of the emotions, at least that's how we we describe it, it's the, the image we use, the, the uh, Old Testament writers, the folks in this culture would have actually said, and it doesn't sound nearly as romantic, we, they would give their bowels to Jesus, because um, for them, the stomach, the bowels were the center of the emotion. We focus on the flutter we feel in our heart, they focused on the gurgle they felt in their stomach. That's where they thought their emotions were. They, that, that's how they were. So they, they'd give their bowels to Jesus. Doesn't make as good a bumper sticker. But the Bible doesn't stop at the heart. The Bible says we give our lives to Jesus. So while we think one year salary is a lot, Jesus wants our whole life salary. See, it's all his when we give our lives to Jesus. So this year's salary and next year's salary and the next and however long, and then retirement and and Social Security and, and whatever I've put up in retirement. So for me, that means Social Security. Um, then whatever it's all his and this may have been all mary had and she gives it all to him in the eyes of jesus uh, rather in the eyes of judas well that's a slip you don't want to make a waste but her worship was then proclaiming. See, Mary was also a proclaimer. Mary told the message of Jesus. It's what Jesus says. He, she saved this for the day of my burial. Now, it wasn't the day of. That was still going to be, oh, seven days away or so. But nevertheless, she was making an example and an image, an image of his burial. She was proclaiming in John 12 his death by anointing his feet, symbolizing the anointing that his body would go through when they took him off the cross and they laid him in the tomb. She was proclaiming his death. I, it, it's not the same because we're talking about two different situations. But, but when I thought of the, her proclaiming his death, I thought of what Paul says when he's writing to the church in Corinth about them taking the Lord's summer, uh, Supper and, and saying to them, every time you do this, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Well, she is proclaiming his death Well, really, until the Lord comes, because we're still talking about her, aren't we? She proclaimed his death. By by pouring this perfume out, by, by, by sacrificing so much, she is proclaiming her faith. Maybe Mary was the only one listening. 
every time we see her not going to him and saying, if, you could have, if you'd have been here, you could have healed my brother, kept him from dying. But every other time we see her, she is sitting at his feet. She's learning. She's listening. Jesus has been saying for three years he was going to die. And the disciples, when the day comes, go, well, this is a shock. We weren't expecting this. I wonder if Mary knew something was up. John, the author, knew. He, he, we know of the plots. Jesus knew. They, they were being careful. It was even, it's amazing he was in Bethany at all. And then here, before too long, he's going to march in, be, be praised into the city of Jerusalem. But up to this point, he wouldn't go certain places because they were trying to kill him. You know the disciples knew that. They were, they were part of the inner group. They, they, they were trying to protect him. We see that with Peter drawing his sword in the garden. Mary, it appears, actually believed what he said about his death. I don't know if she knew that it was going to be that week, if she suspected or, or what, but she comes and anoints his feet, and Jesus says, leave her alone. She's preparing me for burial. She proclaimed her faith in Jesus' words, that what he said was actually true. She proclaimed Jesus' worth, a year's wages right here, and, and he is worth so much more. How do you think a man that raised your brother from the dead? Believer, how do you think a man that saved you from death? That gave you new life? She proclaimed her devotion. She was so committed to Jesus that nothing was too much to give. Not this year's wages for for a general worker, for just a, a regular guy, usually the ladies of the culture wouldn't make that much. They wouldn't have that sort of job unless they were just, uh, they wouldn't have that kind of money unless they were wealthy for some other reason. Brother was wealthy, parents had been wealthy, whatever, or, or married wealth. But she was so devoted to Jesus that this didn't matter. If it was her dowry, Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But she was saying, you know what? It is more important for me to worship Jesus than to have a good gift to give a husband. Could that mean that she might not get a husband at all? Uh-huh. Which would in turn mean she lives the rest of her life in poverty. Unless she was incredibly resourceful. Or took a job that's not well reputed. She said, you know what? Jesus is worth all the, the potentials of giving up this kind of wealth. She proclaimed her devotion. And then in the, the uh, account of this story in Mark and in the account of this story in Luke, Jesus says, everywhere this gospel is proclaimed, this story will be told of her. 
And here we are, 2,000 years later, telling the story that's recorded in three of the four Gospels. Her worship, her faith, and her devotion are proclaimed to this day. She is still proclaiming today to you that your worship is, of Jesus is worth whatever you have to give up. It doesn't matter whether it's of monetary value or personal value. And we are generally talking about, at this point, things that are good that I have to give up for Jesus. But I believe some of the hardest things for us to give up in worship to Jesus are those things that are bad. Our sins. Our relationships. Our, those, those idols that take the place of Jesus. I think those are harder to give up than the good things, the valuable things. Now, I, we can also say, well, no, I, I can't give up that much money. Well, sounds like what we've got is an idol of materialism or a sin of greed or something like that. So, so it still actually puts it over here in this column before we get done. But we like to think, oh, we, yeah, I... I if I had a year's salary to give Jesus, I would. There's a, a, a joke that's told, and I've, I'm a horrible joke teller, so just I know that going in, so don't worry about it. That's why I don't even try to tell it funny. I just tell the joke. And two friends were talking, and said, uh, one of them said to the other, if, if, man, if you, if you had a million dollars, would you give me half of it? Absolutely. We've been friends our entire lives. I'd, it, if I had a million dollars, I'd give you half of that. No problem. That's great. Well, if you, had, if you had 50 cows, would you give me half of those cows? We have been friends for I love you like a brother. You're family to me. I would absolutely give you, 50, give you 25 cows if I had 50 cows. He said, well, man, I appreciate that. Uh, look, if you had two hogs, two pigs, would you give me one of them? Shoot, man, you know I got two hogs. I'll let that sit for just a second. I told you I'm not good at telling jokes. We're real quick to give away what we don't have. Yeah, Jesus, if I, had, if I had perfume worth a year's salary, I'd give that to you. You have plenty that Jesus is asking you to give that you're not willing to give up. You're not willing to worship him. Oh, Jesus, you know I've got two hogs. I can't give you one of those. Ask me for something I don't have or something easy. But don't ask me to worship you with everything. Don't ask me to give you my life. You know why I ask baptismal candidates? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because we can give him our heart. Save me. But we start talking about giving him our lives. Lord, rule me and suddenly 
Oh, shoot, Jesus, you know I got two hogs. Mary was willing to give up everything. Are you willing to give up everything? What's the point? Most of you, I'd say maybe even all of you, claim to be followers of and believers in Jesus. Then this morning, you need to take the example of Mary, follow in her footsteps, and be willing to say, and not just say, oh, we can say a lot of things, be willing to do, to live like her. There is nothing too costly to lay at his feet in worship. Can you say that this morning? Lord, whatever it is, I will give you. Even one of my hogs. This morning you're going to have an opportunity to, to give him that. Maybe you need to give him your life. Your heart and your life. You've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. You need to follow in obedience just like Shelby did this morning. You need to, to have the faith that she has. You need to admit that you're a sinner. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says. We're sinners and we will die because of our sin. That is our wage. That is what we have earned. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't have to stop there. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We have the promise of salvation. We have the hope of eternity if we will accept it. Mary knew. Mary understood that. She had been a follower. She was a believer. She knew he was Savior. And so she gave him, in our example, everything she had financially, probably. Jesus is saying, yeah, I want it all, but I, I want your life. I want to start there. And we can have salvation in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Will you make that decision today? If you never have. If you have, if you are a follower of and believer in Jesus, will you say, everything I have is yours. There is nothing that is mine that I will not give up to worship you. Whether it's something I think is good, or whether it's some sin in my life I need to give up to you. It's all yours. Take it. And do with it what you will. Pour it out at his feet. We're going to have an opportunity here to do that in just a couple of minutes. We'll, we'll sing a song, and you will be able to come up and, and, and pray. Maybe you just want to pray here on the steps. Give the Lord something. Maybe you'd like someone to pray with you. I'm going to be singing this morning with the, the praise team, but Chelsea will be down here to my left. I'm going to ask Justin to come down here to my right. We'll have a couple of deacons, Lee and Kirk in the back. People to pray with you. People to help you to, to answer questions for you. Believer, are you willing to put down whatever at the feet of Jesus in worship of him.
You said you gave your life to him. Then let go and truly worship him. Let's pray. Father, I pray that our lives would be lives of, lives of worship, that it would all be yours, that, that you wouldn't even have to ask for it. You didn't ask for Mary to break the perfume box. She spontaneously worshipped you. Lord, I pray that we would spontaneously worship you. And give it all to you. Not wait for you to ask, but instead, in response to what we know of you, we lay it all down. We pour it all out. And Lord, when you ask, and you will, that we are as willing then as we are this morning to lay it all out for you. God, make us that sort of follower and believer. Make us all Marys, willing to give you everything because of how incredible you are. Because you saved us from death to life. And Lord Jesus, there's someone here who has never trusted you as their Savior. I pray that today is the day. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would work on their hearts and draw them. And Lord, they would not put this off. But today, they would make Jesus the boss of their lives. They would be saved. And no longer be their own, but be God's. Lord, we pray for a mighty moving of your spirit in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what's your decision this morning? What's your next step to take? Do you need to follow in baptism? Do you need to be saved? Do you need to come here? There's some options there on the screen for, to help you see what God is doing in your life. What is he doing? Maybe you want to share that with us on a connection card online or one of us personally. Whatever it is, let's take these next few minutes. Let's worship, and in our worship, we do business with God as he works on our hearts. Let's stand and sing.